This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Well, good evening, folks. It's good to have you here tonight. We, uh, you guys got to hear the, the better strings of the multi-strings of the Brown family on Sunday. Now you get third string. That's what's left when Matt's gone and Nathaniel's committing someplace, committed someplace else. But uh, it is good to be with you. When, when Matt started teaching this class, um, kind of putting it together and figuring out how much material he had, he, he thought, man, I'm about one week short. And then he realized he wasn't going to be here for a week. And proximity is a wonderful thing. He said, how would you like to teach a week? And so, so I am, but my, my week is a little bit different in that it, uh, it, it doesn't progress exactly along the same line of what he's been teaching, but I hope it'll incorporate what he's been teaching. I hope that'll be clear as we go through it. But uh, what I want to talk a little bit tonight uh, about is military missions. Um, not, not just because, uh, you know, I'm the new general director at Armed Forces Baptist Missions, um, but I, I mean, our church is the home of that board. Um, and, uh, you know, there, we, we, we do things in our church, and we talk about outreach to the military quite a bit. Um, it, I think it's worth asking yourself the question, what is it? What should it be? Um, and, uh, you know, what part perhaps could I have in that? So as we get ready to get started, why don't we go ahead and pray, and, uh, and then we'll see if my beautiful assistant here can follow my hand and arm signals about pushing the button, because I am definitely not smart enough to hook up a tablet to my computer like my son was. Um, so let's pray. Father, thank you for, um, God, the time you've given us these weeks to, to understand better your heartbeat, and that is sharing the gospel. Lord, I thank you that your word is clear. It does help us to understand, God, what your ways are, um, what your message is, and Lord, how your servants can be a part of that, and we thank you. Um, Lord, for the things you're teaching us, I pray you'd help tonight to be clear and profitable. And Lord, I pray you'd uh, Lord help our time in prayer as well to be encouraging and uh, Lord powerful. Pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Well, I wonder um, you can you can what comes to mind when you hear the term military ministry. What do you think of? Anything? Reaching those guys. Those guys. Okay. Anything else come to mind? All right. Well, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to say what people think of when they think of military ministry. Almost always... Um, this picture comes to mind because people associate white gravestones and flags with men and women who've paid the ultimate sacrifice. Um, they do it in cemeteries uh, all around the country, and, uh, and uh, it's, it's something that I think people realize. They think about sacrifice. They think about military. Um, Perhaps you see from time to time folks that are dressed like this, wearing a hat, you know, Vietnam veteran, 
maybe World War II, maybe something else. It's interesting to notice that uh, all three of these guys are dressed similarly um, because there's a brotherhood that's there. And it's interesting that sometimes veterans aren't quite sure where they fit in anymore. You know, they had a place for so long, and now they're almost out of place. And they, don't quite sure what, they aren't quite sure what to do. Um, I think that's an important perspective to keep in mind. You know, the, the VA says that there's one veteran suicide every 65 minutes. And uh, in 2017, although 8% of our population was veteran, 14% of the suicides were by veterans. So a pretty disparate um, comparison there. Um, almost always you think about single soldiers um, when you think about military ministry oftentimes um, because oftentimes they're around bases and that's, that's who um, is looking for something. You know, they don't have somebody. Um, maybe they've come from far away. They were involved in church or maybe their parents or somebody's talking to them and, and they show up on your door. Um, interestingly with this group, the Army last year had a 30% increase in suicides last year. Um, the Air Force had its worst rate in, um, the in the last two years. Their rate has been the worst of the last three decades. So um, there's a lot of struggles going on out there. You see that uniform, you think strong, you think who are you think whatever. Um, but sometimes there's something else going on behind that cloth. Of course, families. I couldn't find a good family picture, but... Uh, the family demographics in a typical military setting, lots of little ones. The nursery is a very important place in a lot of military churches because they're very, very young families. Um, some of them uh, oftentimes uh, first time away from home um, as a young couple. And, uh, and again, really, really challenging um, for them. It's, it's interesting that they did a study recently of the 30 jobs um, that had, or the 10 jobs, I'm sorry, that had the highest divorce rates, and three of them were associated with military um, positions and, and occupations. Um, of course, sometimes people think about it in a unit context. The idea of organizations going down into a, a combat theater or deployment like Ryan Asher just getting back from. And so their idea of, of the military and being involved in ministry is everybody kind of huddled around like this, praying or um, whatever, they, whatever might be going on. And then you can't see it real well there, but that's a chapel, um, Fort Riley, Kansas. Um, and it's got a list of services there. And uh, I guess the point I would make from that is there's every flavor of ice cream in a chapel. Um, and probably not any flavor that you'd want any of. Um, and I don't mean that to be critical necessarily. That's what's there. Um, they, have to, they have to cater, truly, to everybody. Um, and in order to cater to everybody, you can't offend anybody except God, usually. And uh, it's, a, it's a very strange situation and uh, a very, very challenging one. Um, and then this one, this is the Military Association of Atheists and Free Thinkers. So... Um, you know, you can, you can have a lot of groups and nobody gets excited like this one. <laughs> They'd get a lot more excited if this was a Bible study that you were trying to have in, in a day room someplace, um, in a barracks. Sometimes people don't like that so much, but this kind of thing can be very tolerated. And when you're a young person looking for a way to belong, these kind of things can be very, very appealing. So, do they 
deserve special attention? Do they deserve special attention? Um, what do you think? Do they? I'm not sure that they deserve special attention, but I think due to the nature of what they do and where they are, it would seem like they would get special attention. Well, I hope we'll, I hope we'll, I hope we'll come bring all that into our into our discussion while we're here today, because I think it's a, it's a question that's worth asking, and, uh, and I'll try to answer it if I can. Um, to me, this answers it in an important way, and that is that God really does desire that nobody perishes without Christ. That's why 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack in His promise, as some men count slackness, but He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants all to come to repentance. It doesn't matter how they're dressed. It doesn't matter what they do. And so to me, that's a compelling, the most compelling basis of any outreach that we would do is that the gospel God has intended is for um, anyone. You know, Acts chapter 10, we read about the occasion of of a Gentile who um, it says is um, a devout man that feared God. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there real quick, Acts chapter 10, this will be, this will be a story you've seen before, you've read before, a name you've heard before. The first two verses, a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Here's a man, as it continues in verses 3 to 6, it says he was, he was interested in wanting to know God more, and so God answers that. God reaches out, God speaks to him and says, your prayers and alms are come up before a memorial before God. And he tells him to send men to Joppa to look for someone called Simon, whose surname is Peter. Well, we all know Peter. If you go on to read the story, you'll read the story of Peter and a dream that he has and some animals and some things that are unclean and God's trying to teach him an important lesson about what's clean and what's not clean and what Peter's uh, ministry is going to be. And later on in that same chapter, Peter finds himself in verse 34 sharing a truth that God has helped him to understand that God is not a respecter of persons. And he goes on, continuing in that chapter, all the way towards near the end in verses 44 to 48, Peter speaks to Cornelius because Cornelius wants to know the message that God has. And God works there, and Cornelius gets saved. Cornelius, a military officer, is the first Gentile conversion in the Bible. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't think Peter had a military ministry specifically. He just had a ministry, and the first person, first person that he would reach out to was this military officer. You know, the military profession, is, as Mike was saying, it's not... It's not the safest thing that you could be doing. Um, it's inherently dangerous, as a matter of fact. We, we, we say in the military that 
Our, our responsibility is to run to the sound of the guns. Um, that's what we're supposed to do. Not the kind of thing that uh, uh, necessarily inspires um, some folks, um, but it's a necessary part of it. And so you've got people whose, whose very duty suggests that their life could be at risk. Maybe that, maybe that makes it worth special attention. Something to think about. What about the military culture itself? Does that, does that help maybe justify the fact for special, special attention? Um, if you've ever sat down and listened to some of the military guys talking and you're just listening on the side um, and you haven't been around it much, they'll be using so many silly acronyms that after a while you just give up. You're like, I don't even know what they're talking about anymore because um, that's the way the military likes to talk. When you think of demographics, 70% of the Marine Corps enlisted is 24 years old and younger. Um, I can tell you as a person who stayed in the Army for a long time, when I got around, a lot, I felt like a senior citizen when I was, wasn't even 40 years old because these guys were all so young. I just, I just couldn't believe. But that's the nature of, of who they are. So, so you have to think about how do you, is it different trying to reach people who are in their early 20s versus trying to reach somebody who's in their early 40s? Maybe, maybe so. How many of you have moved 10 times? Not too many. You know, how many, how many have had family separations for more than two weeks, a month, six months, a year? I mean, there are, there are things about it that are definite, definitely very, very different. How many have lived overseas? Um, the most impacting military ministries we had were overseas churches that we were a part of. Um, but I say all those things to make it sound like you can't identify, but it's an interesting other aspect of the military culture is that they tend to be accustomed to the idea of submission. They have to follow orders all day long. You know what's interesting? When God gets a hold of their heart, they're oftentimes ready to submit to God and do whatever he wants them to do as well. So that can be a real blessing. And then the last thing I think here is, is just an interesting um, dynamic, and that is... Um, the mission field that they have is a dynamic mission field in that the military folks are changing all the time. We don't see as much of it in our church because we're kind of far away from a military base. If we were a little closer, I think it'd be a little more common to us. If you're in a, a church that's nearer with a higher military population, I mean, a year, two years, poof, they're gone. I mean, the Longs are back here. I think this is the second time they've been in our church. But he PCS'd and went someplace else and came back. Um, that's very, very common. Yet, while it's dynamic, it's interesting also that it's static. So it's dynamic, yet that it's static. What do I mean by that? Well, we've got people moving all the time, but the places where they serve don't move. The places where they have duty, they don't change. And so, um, Norfolk Naval Base, it's not moving. It's going to stay there. Camp Lejeune, it's going to be there for a long, long time. Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where we were, it's going to be there for a long, long time. And so special attention might suggest maybe we have to go to where they are if we want to try to reach them. Next. We've, we've talked about this before, so we're going to try to apply some of what we've been talking about for the last four weeks to what we're beginning to discuss tonight. Next. So, the Great Commission. 
Remember what we said the Great Commission was about in a nutshell? It's about gospel proclamation, right? And leaving the results to God. Um, it's about gospel proclamation and... Uh, Going where the people are that need to hear what needs to be heard and being available to do that. Next. This is what the definition that Matt gave to us. People's, Jesus' disciples going out by his authority as witnesses in order to teach and preach the gospel to every people in place. Does that sound like that's something that could fit in the definition of a military ministry? Could that apply here? I think it could. I definitely think it could. Well, we also talked about the mission. Remember, he talked about mission versus missional. Um, and the idea was that um, we can get distracted if we're not careful. That's what missional was all about. He was talking about, you know, it's a wonderful thing that there's doctors and dentists and, and food programs and, and social justice and those kind of things. But you can get distracted. Do you think that can happen with the military? If you're interacting with them, sure. I mean, it, the military has all their problems as well. In fact, sometimes we're a cauldron that they do social experiments in the midst of because they figure we just have to tolerate it. Um, but they have to deal with race issues in there. They have to deal with sexual harassment there. They have to deal with all sorts of problems there. And if you're not careful, you can get more concerned about trying to solve those problems even medical problems and forget that the biggest problem you need to be focused on is the spiritual problem. And so, the bottom line that he gave us from that one is the church must do what the church can do. Can that fit what we're talking about with regards to military missions, do you think? Church doing what the church must do? I think it can. All right, next. The missionary definition. I won't ask you to remember that one. I already tried that. It's, it's too much information. I wouldn't have remembered it either. But I'll put it up there again so we can review it. Missionaries, disciple of Christ, selected by God, approved by the local church, to be sent out for the primary purpose of propagating the gospel. So as we think about military missions, is that something a missionary could be involved in doing as you look at this definition? I would say so. They're disciples selected by God, approved and sent out of a church for the purpose of propagating the gospel. Where we could get in trouble is if we forget about the primary purpose. And we send people out to do other important things, helpful things perhaps, but not the most important thing that God wants us to be doing. Okay? And then we applied a missionary model. Go ahead. We talked about the message. We've talked about that already tonight. The methods, preaching and teaching. And other means, and, and, then, and then the idea of the means, the fact that how you go about doing that sometimes depends upon the context. 
I think this definitely applies to the idea of military missions. The message is stable. The methods are proven, preaching and teaching. The issue is, how, do, how does the context of military ministry, how does that, what does that look like as you peel the onion back here, as you take the skin off and look at it one layer at a time? How does that start to look? How does that fit? What do we do with that in mind? And that's what I want to spend um, the rest of our time um, talking about. So, let's talk about, oh, first, before we do that. So, I, I, I don't have a gonculator if I did or whatever. Willy Wonka called that thing that he used to put stuff in and uh, something would come out the other end. It makes sense. Um, I, put, I put into my magic definition maker at my house the information that we've just talked about in an effort to try to share with you a definition that I hope will be helpful as you think about military missions. You go, you know what, that looks an awful lot like the missionary definition. And the answer is, it should look a lot like the missionary definition because we are not recreating some new little chick, you know, Gucci, you know, fun, neat thing to do because the military is popular right now or because, you know, people get jazzed up about patriotic stuff. It's about propagating the gospel. It's about making disciples. We just happen to be focused on that group of folks right there. What do you think? You think that's legit? Well, let's talk a little bit about maybe the how of that um, in hopes that maybe it'll be, it'll be a little bit clearer of what, what that looks like um, as, it, as you try to put it into practice. Go ahead. So my first emphasis point here is, as it says up in the top there, that truth is a must, but love matters. Truth is a must, but love matters. Um, People can see through <laughs> insincerity. People can see through falsehood. A lot of them, um, interestingly, especially in the military, um, they're young, they're fearless, um, they'll never die. At least that's the way most of them think about it. Um, and it really isn't until there's a really significant life event, some catastrophe in their life, maybe in the life of somebody really close to them, that all of a sudden they find themselves reevaluating what they've been told, what they've believed, what they've trusted in, and they're finding out, you know what? It, it didn't work. It, doesn't, it isn't holding up. It's not what I thought it was. It's not really true. Um, and so truth matters. Truth matters. And the greatest truth that we can offer is this truth right here. Um, but love matters too. And what I mean by that is, um, in my opinion, in military outreach, as much as any, um, relationship forming is absolutely essential. It really, really is. And it's very, very hard to do. And I'll try to talk about that a little bit as, as, we, as we do that. 
Go ahead. So, you've got an organization like Armed Forces Baptist Missions. And we say that our charter is to go and plant churches around military bases where there isn't a good church. And to um, start servicemen centers um, in conjunction with those churches to give these young military folks a place to go. If there is a place, does that mean they're going to show up? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> um, you know, if you've been near a base, um, you don't really see it as much here in Norfolk, in my opinion. Um, you've got to go to a Camp Lejeune or Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Come out the main gate and just drive down the main drag. And it's, it's used car joints, tattoo parlors. Um, you know, it, it, they all look about the same, right, Mike? Don't they? <laughs> um, it, they just have a, a look and feel to them, and you're like, ay, 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 ay. Um, and so that's what they see when they come out. Sometimes that's what they're going out there looking for. And so you can't just think that they're going to show up because you've got a place out there because there's so many distractions when they walk out the gate and every one of them is designed to get their attention and take their money. You really have to make an effort to reach out to them. It's not, it's not just a tract-only ministry where you walk around and just hand out and think that's going to be good enough. It really is about building relationships. Um, we, can't, we can't bypass God's model, though, because it really is about the local church. Um, and uh, it's essential, frankly. Um, you can have a place like a servicemen center, a place where they can let their hair down, where they can play games, they can have food and fellowship and Bible studies and, and just hang out together to get out of the barracks or whatever. But they really need to experience God's uh, place for them in the local church. And for a lot of them, that's going to be a first. Um, go ahead. This is challenging. You heard me talk a little bit about the culture. Um, we've got a few military here, not a lot. Um, I don't know how much you've tried to, to talk to some of them that will come from time to time from the Coast Guard base or someplace else and just try to have a conversation with them. Um, but it, it takes a real effort to do that um, because they're not always easy to identify with. Um, and they may not always feel comfortable here because they aren't quite sure what this is all about in the first place. Um, and so trying to figure out how to connect with somebody who might be many years younger than you, have life experiences that are different than you, um, is really going to take an extraordinary amount of work on, on your part. But um, relationship building is the essential ingredient that we have to, that we have to focus on.
Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. It, that relationship, it's, it's a struggle sometimes. It really is. It's quite a challenge. And the other thing, is, the second thing, is roles, roles matter, but rank doesn't. Um, I think that sounds kind of silly. Well, it isn't silly. Because um, people in a military church know <laughs> what pe different people's ranks are. And, and they're accustomed, because that's the world they live in, to, to showing deference, maybe. Um, and, uh, and so sometimes that can be, create awkward, awkward situations. And you, as a person who's not in the military, have to be very, very careful about that. You remember, you remember in, in uh, James chapter 2, where they talked about the fact that there were those coming into the assembly who were dressed really, really fine, and everybody wanted to give them the best place to sit and really treat them in a special way. Sometimes if we're not careful, that people will be drawn to somebody who maybe is a little bit more senior, and that poor person, that young corporal or, or private or whatever, just feels like a second-class citizen. Um, we have to be very careful who are not in the military not to get caught up in that. We have to be who we're supposed to be. If you're the pastor, you're the pastor. Don't try to be... A, a, a military buddy to this guy. If you're a, a Sunday school teacher, if you're just a lay person who just cares about them and wants to encourage them um, and maybe get to know them, forget about the rank part of it. They, they live with that the rest of the week. They aren't going to care about how it in, impacts um, in your relationship. And then the last thing I would say here is that there's a lot of diversity, but there's only one truth. And the word diversity, of course, has taken on a life of its own in, in, uh, in our world today. But you saw that picture of the chapel service. Um, what you couldn't see is that there was like two Protestant services, about six Catholic services, a Jewish service. Um, it doesn't show things like Wiccan and stuff like that, but those are all there too. Um, there's a lot of diversity, and we have, to, we have to be comfortable with the fact and secure in the fact that it's okay to represent the one truth that God has to offer those young people. Um, because they'll actually in time become attracted to that, and it's not something that they're going to hear a lot of someplace else. So if we aren't sharing it with them, they may not hear it. So that has to be an important part. Of, of our outreach. Okay, next. Expect the unexpected. Um, boy, um, we've been here for 15 years. Uh, in, the in the 15 years before that, I should have thought of this ahead of time. We were probably in a half dozen churches. I'm not really sure. Some for less than a year. Not because we left churches and shopped and went someplace else. It's because we moved. And, uh, and so... It's hard for me to remember what it was like to be so unsettled. Um, but that's a part of life for them. Next. The first one, I jokingly say, forget about family portraits. You know, in, in our family, we, we basically started to forget about that too because it seems like every time we get a family portrait, we find out someone's going to have a baby. And so it's, it's out of date before we even, before we even pay the photographer. Um, and so, but... In a, in a military church, I mean, and, until you're in the middle of it, you really can't appreciate the turmoil that goes on. 
Um, and it isn't just because um, we got orders and we're leaving in three months. It's because I just found out we're going to the field for two weeks and I'm leaving and I'm a Sunday school teacher. Or Michelle runs the nursery because we're a small church and we'll take anybody that will run anything because we need all the help we can get. And uh, the turmoil that goes on inside, inside one of those is really quite shocking. And so you look at your congregation one, one month and you look at them at the next and it can be decidedly different. We have a friend, in fact, Susan Sly, her husband Chuck Sly was our pastor for five years in Germany, still there. Um, I asked him a few years back to share a few anecdotes with me about military ministry. He, he was telling me in, in a, in a one-year period from 2017 to 2018, they had a 70% turnover in their ministry. Can you imagine? We have, what, 300 people here in our church? 70% of that? 210 people? New? I mean, it's hard enough with COVID just trying to keep up with the few that have come in here. But imagine if that's what happens over and over and over again. Um, it requires a lot of focus on the part of a pastor, a lot of focus on the part of anybody that's serving in any capacity there um, because it's part of what's going to happen next. And so this dovetails with it. You really have to redeem the time because it, it passes quickly. We viewed it that way when we would move. We knew we had to get to a church and get involved and do it now because in, in a year and a half, we were going to be talking about orders to go someplace else. And so we better find a place and just get to work because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be gone. Um, and, and you, you know, here we, we, we talk about, well, you know, who might we use for a teacher? Oh, they've only been here for a short time. Maybe we'll find somebody else. And in that way, in a military ministry, it's like oh, the Blackburns, they've been in a church before this. You've taught Sunday school before? You, okay. We need somebody to teach this. Will you be willing to pray, pray about it? Yeah, okay. Boom. And it's, uh, it's done. Sealed. Any questions? Um, and, and, and I, you say, boy, that sounds like that might be really kind of risky. You, you'd be amazed what God do, does because people come in with a volunteer spirit because they have to get going and get after it. Um, next. I, I mentioned about duty. Um, the one constant is that things aren't going to be constant. Um, things are going to change continually. Um, and it... It isn't even, uh, it isn't because people are unfaithful or people um, don't like the church. It's because the military life is the military life. And, uh, and so you have to accept that. And then the last one, again, this was a kind of a comment that, that uh, I learned in our five years in our first military church overseas. But the pastor said, you know, my job is to build another pastor's ministry bench for him. I'm preparing people to leave our church to go someplace else to serve in another church. That's my job. Um, kind of a challenging thing to think about, in my opinion, because you pour yourself out for the very purpose of waving goodbye so that they can go be a blessing someplace else. And, uh, and I watched that happen over and over again. It, it was what they did in our lives. We'd never been in an independent Baptist church before that one. So for five years we were under that ministry and we left there and we were always involved in church ministries. Every place else we went, he was, he was a key person in terms of preparing us for that opportunity. Next. Well, I'll finish up with just a few thoughts about your part 
because it sounds like this is all a pastor's responsibility and a church far away and a base not near here. So what about here at Good News? What part can I play? What part should I play? If military ministry is important, if it's legitimate, um, what should I do? Go ahead. Well, we are the home of Armed Forces Baptist Missions. <laughs> um, there aren't a lot of organizations out there that sole purpose is military ministries around bases. BIMI does a lot with that. They have a, a branch that does military ministry. But uh, the home office could use your prayers. People talk about the missionaries a lot, and they're, they should be the first ones to come to mind. But I can tell you there's a lot that goes on upstairs to try to help those folks. And, uh, and there's things that we're going to try to do to try to be introduced to new servants to go out there and start new churches. So keep that in mind. Next. I don't know if you knew this or not, but our church supports 11 AFBM missionaries. Um, so we're committed there. If you're participating in Faith Promise, that's your opportunity to be a blessing there. Next. This one's not so hard, but it does... It is something you have to do on purpose, whether it's someone you might work with, <clears throat> someone you live near. But our church does try at least once a year, if they're, and, and more frequently when Pastor Radice doesn't have to deal with COVID and we can have military functions about once a month where they invite people for lunch after church. Um, those are great opportunities because i got to tell you, very few military folks, especially single guys or gals that aren't looking for some good food, and you guys know how to make good food. So um, you might think that's kind of shallow, but i got to tell you, it's a great reason to get them here. And then once they're here, um, it starts to build a connection that you can build on from there. And then finally, be a gospel proclaimer yourself. Um, I don't know if we have any of the final orders tracks that were out here or not. You don't really need a military track to try to reach out to somebody in the military. A lot of folks like to say very pleasant things like, thank you for your service, um, thank you for your sacrifice. And that's, that's, a, that's a kind thing to say, but anybody could say that. Uh, to, to, to add to that the opportunity to perhaps share a gospel tract with them, to invite them to church, um, to me is, is trying to take the next step to try to put truth in their hands. And uh, I consider it to be a fairly low-risk proposition but uh, it can be a high payoff opportunity. So certainly something um, that you can be involved in if you'd like to be involved in it yourself. <clears throat> so back to our definition again. Military missions involves disciples of Christ who are selected by God, approved by local church, going out to propagate the gospel and make disciples among the men, women, and families of the armed forces, both past and present. There's a lot that could be said about this. I've probably barely scratched the surface. It is unique. Um, it's, uh, but it's, it's so very, very necessary. And I think if, if, if we can help ourselves to put aside the concern that I don't really understand their world, I can't tell war stories like they can, I can't, I can't, I can't, and remind ourselves that it isn't about a competition about who's got the coolest story. It isn't about a put, we aren't going to do a push-up competition here today. 
Um, it's about sharing truth, and we have that truth. We have it in the gospel. And if that motivates us, if that's what comes to mind, if that's what we think about when we think about any kind of military, any kind of ministry, but especially military ministry, that these are men and women, sheep without a shepherd, men and women lost on their way to hell without Christ, um, then I think it can challenge us perhaps to try to find ways, think of ways, to try to reach out and be a blessing to them. Any, uh, any thoughts, any questions, comments? missionaries, um, of course a lot of the bases are closed right now, um, very difficult to get on the bases, especially if you're not an ID card holder. And they had had a, a fairly effective ministry to a security unit um, on the base that the husband, who's now paralyzed, had, uh, had been a part of. And, uh, and so that had kind of shut down, and they were looking for ways to be able to get back on the base. And so... So what she decided to do is make food when they closed the base down, make food and take it to the front gate for the security forces. And uh, within two weeks, she had been deemed essential personnel, and she was allowed to come on the base whenever she needed to. <laughs> so it opened the door to other opportunities. But it was just being, showing love to these folks. They, they needed to know that people still cared, and, uh, and that was a way to do it. And uh, food, of course, is the magic door opener in a lot of cases, but it is, it is very, very true. It's hard when you move all the time. You, you really, your world gets turned upside down. As you, if you stay in long enough, you may end up in a unit again with somebody you've been in before, but most of the time, at least in the, in the Army, I don't know how the Marine Corps did it, 
we, we, they, they would never send you to the same duty station twice in a career. So I was in 26 years, and I went, I was never stationed, I, I did go back to the same place I went to flight school, because I was a flight instructor later, but we never was stationed twice in the same place. And uh, it was intentional. So you get there, and, and you're starting all over again. In our case, we even knew we wanted to find a church, but we, we were starting from ground zero. Um, imagine if you're by yourself, um, and you're trying to connect. And that's why groups like, you know, the atheist free-thinking folks attract people, because people want to belong to somebody. They want someone to be with. And, uh, and it's a lot easier for us to be that someone than sometimes we might think it is, I think. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.